Today on the Matt Walsh Show, another police shooting has sparked protests. Um, this happened over the weekend. But while the left, Democrats, and protesters put all the blame on the police officer, as per usual, I think we need to start asking some questions about the personal responsibility of the suspect in these cases. Especially, That's an especially pertinent question in the latest shooting that has um, caused all these protests. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including a Black Trans Lives Matter protest over the weekend. What was the point of this protest? Is it actually necessary? Um, we'll discuss all of that. And our daily cancellation and much more, all coming up on the show today. We begin with this, though. Another round of riots broke out in Atlanta, um, this time over the police shooting of a man named Richard Brooks. The media is quick to tell us, of course, that Richard Brooks is a black man and the officer who shot him is a white man. But Brooks's race appears to be far less relevant in this situation than his behavior. Police were called to a local Wendy's on Friday night after Brooks fell asleep behind the wheel in a drive-through line, uh, in, in the drive-through line at Wendy's. Officers arrived. Uh, they detected a strong scent of alcohol. Also, he wasn't really making sense. He didn't seem to know where he was. Uh, not to mention just the fact that he passed out in a drive-through lane. All of that. Pretty good indication that he's, you know, drunk. So they do a, 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 a blood alcohol test, and he was over the legal limit. Not a big surprise. So they attempted to make an arrest. Brooks resisted, assaulted the officers, stole one of the cops' tasers, fired it at them, ran away, then turned and pointed the taser at the police officers. And it was at that point when Brooks had done literally everything in his power to to escalate a non-violent situation into a violent situation, it was at that point that one of the officers shot and killed him. There's a plethora of, uh, of uh, video footage of this incident, and I'll, I'll play for you. Here, here's the, the and there are, you know, civilians that are in the drive through lane. Some of them are taking video of it. But here's the combined footage from the officer's body cam and the Wendy security camera. I think it gives us the best view of everything that happened in context. So here it is. Take a look. Hold on, Ms. Brooks. Will you take a preliminary breath test for me? It's yes or no. I don't want to refuse anything. Uh, it's yes or no. It's completely up to you. Yes, I will. Okay, just wait here while I grab. What, what kind eat. of drinks did you have? Uh, I'm not sure. It's something she ordered. She said top shelf or whatever. Top shelf what? I'm not sure. It was... Like I said, it was her birthday, and... You had about one and a half drinks, but you don't remember what kind of drinks they were? No, sir. All right. I really don't, Mr. Rock. All right, I think you've had too much to drink to be dry. Let's put your hands behind your back for me. Yeah, put your hands behind your back. Hey, hey, stop Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Okay, now the media has, as I said, of course, made this into a racial incident, um, continually highlighting the fact that Brooks was black, the officer was white. 
Protesters have taken to the streets. The Wendy's where this occurred was burned to the ground, apparently for the crime of calling the police on a man passed out in the drive through lane. Uh, it would seem that the protesters would prefer if a business, I don't know, just wakes the drunk man out of his stupor and sends him driving along on his way. What else are they supposed to do? Because it, it would seem that the calling the police is, is what you would do if you're concerned about his safety and also the safety of the public. Um, the officer who shot Brooks was fired. He may be charged with murder. The police chief has resigned. And all the familiar wheels are, are turning once again. BLM activists and leftists have denounced the shooting, mainly by pretending that Brooks went from sleeping in his car to dead on the pavement with nothing in between. They, as always, omit the most crucial elements of the story. So there's been a lot of, of this kind of thing. Just as an example, here's a guy, uh, apparently according to his Twitter, an award-winning journalist. And here's how, this, how, here's how this award-winning journalist described the incident when arguing with me over Twitter. This is what he said. He said he wasn't driving, talking about Brooks. He wasn't driving. He was asleep in a parking lot. And a few minutes later, he's dead. No rational sane person would ever argue that death should happen when you've been asleep in a parking lot. Only a cold, non-empathetic, non-empath- uh, I think he meant to say empathy. He said empathic. A non-empathic white nationalist would ever make that insane argument. Yeah, he was just asleep in his car and then he was shot dead. And that's true, of course. He was sleeping. And then, a little bit later on, he was shot dead. That is, in fact, the correct order of events. I I will give you that. But it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, of a convicted bank robber that uh, he was walking into a bank one afternoon. And then next thing you know, he's arrested and sent to prison. That's the correct order of events, but you left out some very important events in between that would connect these two events on the end and make it, uh, it and, 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 and clarify it quite a bit. So if you've ever seen, you know, that, that famous, the famous Seinfeld episode, the yada yada, they are, they are yada yada-ing past the most important part. In this case, the award-winning journalist, he has just yada yadded the part where Brooks assaulted and stole the taser of a police officer. So with protesters, rioters, the media, Democrat politicians like the mayor of Atlanta, who has already come out against these police officers, all trying to uh, turn this into a cold-blooded murder by two racist assassins out killing black men for no reason, I think it's important for us to talk about the actual reality of the situation. Let's bring this back to Realityville, okay, which is where I personally prefer to be. That's where I like to hang out and be, uh, particularly when we're assessing situations like this. I think it's better to do it in reality. What's the actual reality? Well, we're going to run through that um, in just a second. But I want to take a time out here uh, first to give you a quick message about this show. As you know, we rely in part on our advertisers to keep the mic hot, the lights on. Um, one thing that's really important for us is, is that we know who's listening. It's how we make sure that we're featuring advertisers that you folks actually want to do business with, uh, which is best for us, best for you too. It makes it more makes it makes it more worth your time to watch. So, if you have just a few minutes to spare, I'd really appreciate it if you visited thepodsurvey.com to fill out a short survey about yourself. Once we have enough data that helps us find advertisers who want to hear from you, um, then we can you know find then we can really target this more and, and give you the information you need. So visit thepodsurvey.com. Take just a few minutes. Uh, you have five minutes, right? You have five minutes of your day that you can spend on this. I think you can. If you don't, it will personally offend me. Okay, it might make me cry. And you don't want to do that to me. Complete the survey to help my team bring you advertisers 
who uh, you want to hear from. Speaking of one of those advertisers that you really want to hear from, ExpressVPN. Uh, you know, if you if you browse the web without a VPN to protect your information, you're really taking a risk. And, you know, worse than that, it's a risk that you don't need to take. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. Express, ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Uh, lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. They're not going to do that. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. And also their speed. You know, I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow down your connection, make your device sluggish. I've been using ExpressVPN for a long time, and my internet speeds are always blazing fast. So, uh, and and also you're so it's 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 safe, it's fast, it's everything you need. And something else that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is that it's very easy to use, which is important for me. If it's not easy to use, I can't use it. Uh, so that's why this works for me. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Walsh today. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Walsh. Visit expressvpn.com slash Walsh to learn more. All right, so let's get into the actual reality of this um, Rayshard Brooks situation. Bro- and let's go through the timeline of events. Uh, Brooks is very drunk and driving. He's a danger to the public. He falls asleep in the drive through lane. Why are the cops called? Is it because he's a black man in his car? No. Uh, were, the, were the Wendy's employees being racist? Did they call the cops because uh, they, they saw a black man in the drive through I think we can assume that, that many black men and many other races have gone through the drive through at Wendy's and never had the cops called on them. Why was this particular individual, why did he end up with the cops called on? Because he was, he was sleeping in the drive through line. They've got a guy passed out blocking the drive through To do anything but call the cops would be extremely irresponsible and reckless. The cops come. Do they come because it's a black man? Do they say to the dispatcher, okay, well, we're, we'll respond to this call, but only if it's a black guy. If it's not, then uh, we're not interested. No. Now, admittedly, I don't have the, that interaction. I don't know what they said to the dispatcher, but I think we can assume that that conversation did not take place. So they show up. They talk to the guy. They're very polite. You saw that in the video. They're very reasonable. He's obviously drunk. They have him take the breathalyzer. Looks like he blows a, it looked like it said a 0.108. The legal limit is 0.08. So he is well over the limit. What do they do now? Well, he was behind the wheel of a vehicle, key in the ignition. Passed out drunk. That's a crime. He has committed a crime. Can they be merciful and let him off the hook and not enforce the law? First of all, why should they? Second, in any case, no. Um, They they can't do that. They can't just leave and leave the drunk man in the parking lot to drive home. He goes and he hits someone else, kills them. We're going to partially blame the cops for that. As well, we should. So they have no choice but to make an arrest. It is the most responsible thing to do. It's the safest thing for the sake of the public and for his sake. He's a danger to himself, that drunk and driving a vehicle. Um, Are they arresting him because he's black? No, they're arresting him because he's committing a crime that endangers the public and himself. They're, They're arresting him for the same reason they arrest anybody else in the exact same situation. They have to bring him in, keep him locked up, let him sleep it off. 
Yeah, they'll probably charge them with something. Pretty standard procedure. I mean, cops do this thousands of times across America every single night. But now Brooks, rather than accepting the consequences, begins resisting and then assaulting the officers. And then he steals the weapon out of their hands. And then he uses it against them. And then he runs away. And then he turns and points and, and tries, at least tries to shoot it. The officers did everything they could to de-escalate this situation the entire time. They keep saying, you're going to get tased, warning him over and over again. They, they, they tell him, hands off the taser, warning him over and over again. Stop fighting, stop resisting, warning him over and over again. They, they really don't want this to turn fatal. That's just pretty clear. Brooks is going out of his way, doing everything he can, everything he can to escalate this situation, even culminating in that gratuitously stupid and pointless decision to turn and point a weapon at the officers as he's running away. And that was the last stupid decision that Brooks made that night, and it was the one that cost him his life. Now, we could pick this apart. We can Monday morning quarterback it if we want. Uh, we can come up with the things that the cops could have done differently. Sure, we could. Now, I don't see anything they could have done differently uh, in, in the lead up to that, to that final moment. Up until that point, they are the picture of professionalism and responsibility. They're trying to do everything they can to get this drunk man off the street safely and nonviolently. And, and so the, there's, there's, it's totally by the book. They're being very patient. But at the end, of course, one of them takes his gun out of the holster and shoots Brooks. Did he have to do that? Did he have to? Probably not. I mean, in, in hindsight. But hindsight is something that we, as people watching this from the comfort of our couches, are privileged to have. In the heat of the you want to talk about privilege, okay? We've got privilege in that we're not in this situation. And we're probably not ever going to be in this situation. In the heat of the moment, from the officer's perspective... They have gone suddenly from a relatively routine situation, arresting a drunk guy, to a struggle for their lives. When you're wrestling a man and he's grabbing for your weapon, that's a struggle for your life. Your life is now on the line. He could kill you. And you have ever, every reason to think he wants to kill you. And when he runs away and points something at him, you know, he's running away, points something at the officers. Do they know it's the taser? Could it be a gun that he had on him the whole time? Uh, they haven't had a chance to search him yet. And what if he hits one of them with the taser and then and then circles back now that they're incapacitated, takes the gun from them? These are all calculations that they have to make in a split second, in an extremely charged situation, and not a situation they created or wanted. A situation that they were foist into, that they were plunged into against their will. So the question is not whether shooting Brooks makes sense to you watching the footage three days later while comfortably sipping your coffee and saying, oh, here's all the things they could have done differently. If it was me, this is what I would have done. The question is whether it could have reasonably made sense to them from their perspective in the thick of it. And I think the answer is yes. But here's a crazy idea, okay? I've got a really wild thought. What if, for once, for a change, just one time, we talk about the choices made by the suspect 
Okay, the criminal. This was a criminal. He's committing a crime, a dangerous crime. Were his choices justified? Was he behaving in a way that respects the lives of the officers and those around him and even himself? I mean, Black Lives Matter. Did he believe that did, did he believe, behave like he thinks life matters, black life matter, his own life matters? What responsibility does he carry for all of this? You see, every time this kind of thing happens, we talk about what the cops did, what they should have done, what they could have done. We never stop to say, what did the suspect do? What could he have done differently? What should he have done? We hold the officers 100% responsible for everything while holding the suspect responsible for nothing. As if he's an infant or a pre-programmed robot. As if he himself is not a grown adult man making choices. Now, just some more examples of what people have been saying to me you know, about this stuff. All, all quite typical. Uh, Ted Lou said, Taser is a non-lethal weapon. Rayshard was running away. Killing him was unjustified and excessive use of force. That's why the cop has already been fired and the police chief resigned. No, the cop has been fired and the police chief resigned out of sheer cowardice and ca caving to the mob. It's got nothing to do with the reality of this situation. Excessive use of force. Didn't Brooks use excessive force when he, was, when he assaulted a police officer who was just trying to enforce the law? Uh, in this case, a very good law, the law against drunk driving. What about his excessive use of force? I mean, that was kind of excessive, wouldn't you say? Why aren't we talking about that? Bakari Sellers, a CNN analyst, uh, said to me, DUI is not a death penalty crime. They shot him in the back running away. Is enforcing our anti-drunk driving laws a death penalty crime? I mean, were the cops committing some kind of crime that they should have been punished for? By Richard Brooks? He assaulted them and stole their weapon. Did they deserve that? You know, the left is all about autonomy and agency, supposedly. They even have an autonomous zone now. They have a whole zone for auto autonomy. Well, each individual person is, in a sense, in their own little autonomous zone. In that you're a person making choices. So what about Brooks's autonomy? What about his agency? He is an agent acting in his own right. He chose to turn a non-lethal encounter into a lethal encounter. How much responsibility does he bear for that? Zero? I mean, is that what you're going to tell me? He has zero responsibility. I mean, does he have zero responsibility for, for how he acts? No, I say 100%. He is 100% responsible for his own behavior. Who else can be responsible? I mean, if he's not responsible for it, then someone else is, and I don't know who that would be. I'm not. You're not. The cops aren't. Someone, someone is deciding how Brooks acts, and I say that Brooks himself is deciding that. I can't think of who else could possibly be deciding it besides him. Now, think about this for a second. The people who are saying that, that the cops should not have shot Brooks, what they're really saying is that Brooks should have been able to assault police officers, steal their taser, and fire it at them without being killed. So, so I mean, really consider that position. If that's, if that's your position, just meditate on it for a second. Say it out loud. Say that out loud. I think a man should be able to assault a cop, steal his taser, and fire it at him without being killed. I think you should be able to do that kind of thing without getting shot by the cops. How much sense does that make? 
How insane do you feel making that statement? You ought to feel pretty insane because it is insane. Now, it's also dangerous. What is that the kind of message we want to send to criminals? That you're that you can do that and you're not going to be killed. You, you are you, you can do that safely. You you have the right to safely assault a police officer and steal his weapon out of his hands and use it against him. You should be able to do that. You can do that, and you're not, you, you know, you're not going to be killed for doing that. So go, might as well give it a shot. If you're getting arrested, give it a shot. Hey, why not? Assault a cop. Try to get away. They can't do anything. Is that is? Do you really think that's a, a message we should be sending to people? It it's sad that Brooks is dead. It's sad that at t- anytime someone dies, it's always sad. But it's sad because Brooks threw his own life away. For no reason. It is sad because he made the choices that he made and brought this on himself. This was his fault. He is responsible. He paid the price, the ultimate price. And it's a sad price. It is very sad. But it's the price that anyone is at risk of paying if they make the choices that this man made. This is not a story of police brutality. It's a story of a man named Rayshard Brooks who did a bad thing driving drunk and followed it up with an enormously stupid and reckless thing, assaulting a cop and stealing his taser. And, and, and after that night, a night filled with bad, stupid, reckless choices, he died. As so many others have after nights like that. If you go out one night and decide to do a bunch of bad, stupid, reckless things, you might die. And that's why I really hope you don't do that. Because it's sad. It's sad for someone to throw their life away. You know, we've been told by the media and by Ray, by Brooks's family and the lawyers that you know he's a he's a, a a father who just wanted to get home to his kids. I believe he loved his kids. He's a father. Okay. You want to get home to your kids? That's not how you act. You want to get home to your kids? You don't drive drunk. You want to get home to your kids? You don't you, you don't assault a police officer and steal his weapon and then turn around and point it at him. You know, anytime I go out, I always want to get home to my kids. That's why I would never do those things. So, you know, we could get into the psychology of it. Why did he act that way? Part of it, he was drunk. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, but that, that's nobody's fault but his own. And no one else can be responsible for that. He chose to get drunk and drive. So we can get into the, you know, why did he make these choices? So on and so forth. But what you can't escape is, number one, these were his choices that he made. And number two, these are choices that could get anybody killed, which is why it's very sad when people make choices like this. But it is not a moral outrage. It's not a moral outrage because no moral atrocity was committed. These cops were responding to a situation that they were thrust into by this man. There's there's nothing to protest here. Unless we're going to protest, well, let me let me correct that. Actually, there is a, there's a lot to protest. In fact, you know, let's let's protest this message that's being sent by Democrats and the left and the media that violent criminals are not responsible for their own behavior, and that they should be able to do whatever they want and still be safe. Um, let's protest that message. Because it's, it's a dangerous message, and it's a message that's getting people killed. 
You want to talk about the psychology of Rayshard Brooks? Did maybe one of the things that we can't know exactly what was going through his head. I mean, I can't imagine what would go through someone's head to make them act that way. But maybe one of the things going through his head is he thought he could get away with this because of because of uh, the cops are under the microscope now. And there's a whole bunch of people there recording. He knows it. Did that go through his head? I mean, has he been watching the news and seeing as people have been able to burn down buildings and riot and assault police officers and not even get arrested, let alone shot? Um, was was he thinking about that? Maybe. That's 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 a, not an outlandish theory. Whether he was thinking about it or not, this is a thought that's being put into people's heads. Uh, and so, you know, that's something worth protesting. But in the end, this comes down to his own choices. And uh, we will move on now to headlines. Number one. There was another march over the weekend, um, aside from the George Floyd marches and the Rayshard Brooks marches. There's another march on top of all these marches. This was a Black Trans Lives Matter march, uh, BTLM. Uh, so here's aerial footage of the Black Trans Lives Matter march in New York. A ton of people there, um, and a few brief things to say about this. Number one. The justification for this march is that supposedly there's an epidemic of anti-trans hate crimes, uh, especially against black trans people. And so although black trans people and trans people in general are a tiny subset of the population, we need to have a huge march for them to stand up against um, against these hate crimes. The reality is that and, and this another one of those realities that, that most people don't want to say because they're afraid of what's going to happen. But this is the reality. And I want you to pay attention. There is no epidemic of anti-trans hate crime. This is a fabrication. This is an invention by the left. It is not true. Like everything else they say these days, it is not true. It doesn't exist There is no epidemic of anti-trans hate crime. They are lying. They are making this up. Which is why when you listen to what the media is saying, they'll often tell you, and I was just reading a CNN article about the black trans uh, matter protest, and they had a line, a paragraph in there where they said, I think it was like 14, they said, so far 14 black trans people have been killed in 2020. Um, So that's all they tell you. As if the very fact that a trans person is murdered is itself proof that it was a hate crime. As if every single trans person killed is a victim of a hate crime. Like there's no other reason ever why a trans person would end up murdered. This is nonsense, of course. Trans people are going to be murdered just like people in every demographic are murdered. They're not immune from it. Unfortunately, we, we, we live in a, we're mortal human beings and we live in a society where murder happens. Happens It's happening more and more uh, across the board, in many cities at least. Um, and it's so ev- you could do this with every dem- demographic. I mean, I, I could give you a stat for, I don't know, how many bird watchers are murdered every year. I'm, I'm sure there's a certain number that are murdered every year. Does that prove that there's a, a serial killer out there killing bird watchers, or there's an epidemic of anti-bird watching hate crime? No, it just proves that bird watchers aren't immune from being murdered, which we already knew. Um, Chad Felix Green did a piece about this for the Federalist. You can go look it up. Excellent piece, excellent reporting. 
And, and, and he looked at all the cases of trans murders reported by the human rights campaign over the last several years. And he found, you can go look at it yourself. I mean, you, you can go through the links and, and look at which I have also done. And he found that the vast majority were related to domestic disputes, prostitution, or drugs. Not hate crimes. Anti-trans hate crimes are very rare. That's the fact. Do they happen? Sure, I'm sure they happen. You know, uh, hate crimes against all people happen. Is there an epidemic? No, it's a lie. They are making it up. Anyone who tells you otherwise is, is ignorant or lying. Second point. What about social distancing? I mean, this is the obvious. But you look at that picture there. All these people packed in in New York, you know, like the epicenter of the of, of what, what, what was the epicenter of the pandemic in, in America. And, and that's happening. So we're expanding the exception. We already know that, you know, going to church, I mean, it's, if you do that, you're going to get coronavirus. If you go to like a restaurant, you get coronavirus. You go to a beach, you're going to get coronavirus. Take your kids to the playground, take, th- send your kids to school, they're going to get coronavirus. Um, but magically, if you're uh, mad about a police shooting and you go out, then you're, you're immune from coronavirus. And now we also have to include if you're marching for trans people, you're also immune. That, 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 that confers some sort of immunity over you, apparently. Um, which is a fact that even the so-called public health experts seem to be all but endorsing, at least implicitly endorsing. Okay, number two, uh, important news here. The media reports that Nickelodeon has confirmed that SpongeBob SquarePants is gay in celebration of Pride Month. They've confirmed it. But here's the tweet that supposedly confirms this. And uh, as you can see there, they're celebrating Pride Month. And then we get, you know, we see SpongeBob SquarePants in rainbow colors. Does that mean he's gay? Well, no, because he's a cartoon. Uh, and he's also a sponge. He's a, he's a non-existent sponge. Okay, so that, that's two levels. That would mean that he couldn't possibly come out as gay. Sponges are asexual, by the way. Which means that SpongeBob SquarePants is in the LGBTQ plus community. A is in there somewhere. I think it's LGBTQIA plus or something like that. And the A is asexual. So sponges are already in that community. Every time you buy a sponge in the detergent, in the detergent aisle at Walmart, you are showing your pride. You're, you're supporting diversity. Those are different kinds of sponges, of course. But um, anyway, why am I talking about this? What a stupid time we live in. What a stupid, stupid time. Uh, number three, here's a video that's gone viral over the past day or two. I don't know who this woman is or, or where she is, but the location, you know, doesn't really matter because this could be any of the many neighborhoods destroyed by rioting in recent weeks. Um, here's a woman uh, dealing with the consequences of that, that rioting. It's a very, speaking of a sad video, this is a very sad video. Watch this. Look at this. Every grocery store looks like this. Every grocery store looks like this. Everything is either on the floor. Look at this. Can't even get no food for my kids, G. Look at this. Came in the store to try to buy something. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a thief. Look at this. I am so devastated right now, G. This is not okay for us to have to live like this. We do stupid shit like this all the time, and we so black proud. We so black and proud that we ain't gonna never be honest and be real about what's really going on. Y'all are so wrong for this. 
You came in your neighborhood and f***ed up your sh I'm not a thief. I'm not coming in this store and stealing nothing. And ain't nobody gonna turn me into no animal or make me feel like a thief. Y'all let them white folks send y'all off once again. Yeah. To all of you tolerant liberals who displayed your wokeness by justifying rioting while sitting on your fat, comfortable asses insulated from the damage, that's what you supported right there. That's on you. You know, that's yours. You, you helped to do that. You cheered that on. You gave that cover. You dressed that up. You intellectualized that. You rationalized that. And then you moved on. Feeling proud of yourself, feeling accomplished, feeling so sophisticated. You didn't have the stupid, uh, simplistic view of rioting that us peons have. Where we look at it and just say, well, that's bad. To have a bunch of people tearing buildings down and looting and burning buildings and, and attacking people. I mean, us dumb peasants, right? We look at that and, and think, that's just bad. That's a bad thing. You shouldn't do that. But you up on your perch, you were much smarter than that. I mean, you, you had the nuanced perspective and realized that this is a response to... Uh, systemic uh, uh, discrimination, and you know that, that was that was your very intelligent position. And then, but then you go on and, and feeling feeling very good about yourself, you move on to the next thing, leaving that woman and many like her to live in the rubble. So, congratulations, you despicable monsters, you pieces of garbage, garbage, you you awful, miserable excuses for human beings. Congratulations. That's on you. Hope you feel good about that. Uh, number four, here's a leading activist on the BBC talking about the Churchill statues that leftists want to tear down and apparently seeming to reveal that she doesn't actually know who Winston Churchill was. Watch this. Should the statue of Churchill be there or not, do you think? Well, I've heard uh, many arguments on both sides. Some say that he's a racist. Some say that he's a hero. I haven't personally met him. But what I would say is that that question of whether he should remain should be put to the community. You haven't personally met him because he's been dead for over half a century. So that's why that's why you haven't met him. Um this, of course, is very common, though. This is, this is what you expect. The people ripping down statues, they don't know a damn thing about the people whose, whose statues, these, who, who are represented in these statues. They don't know anything about, about them. All they know is that it's an old white guy, and that's all they need. No more information needed. You think the, the people ripping down statues of Columbus, you think they could tell you a single thing about Columbus? Other than what they read in the Facebook memes... They could give you a whole list of talking points. It was a genocidal uh, slaveholder, rapist. I mean, they could give you all that, the stuff they read in the memes. They can give you the meme information, the bullet points. You think they could speak coherently about Columbus for like, I don't know, could they give you a paragraph? Could they write a six-sentence paragraph about Columbus? Anything about him? No, they couldn't. They, they don't know anything about him whatsoever. They don't know anything about any of these but this is what happens when you have, uh, th this is part of what the school system has done. Aside from radicalizing a whole generation of Americans and making them hate their own history, making them hate their own, um, uh, making them hate their own, you know, the heroes of, uh, in, in America and of the West, Winston Churchill, you know, one of the heroes of, of, of the West. Uh, and this is something obviously not just happening in the United States. But that's one thing we get from the school system. 
The other thing is, the other crucial ingredient is absolute ignorance of history. They've got anger and uh, bigotry and certain sort of vague prejudices that they get from the school system when it comes to history. But as for an actual understanding of these historical periods and these people and what they did, what they accomplished, good and bad, they don't have that. But they can tear down a statue. That much they can do. All right, we're going to move on now to our daily cancellation. And before we do, um, you know, there's so much going on this year in the news, of course. It's uh, one thing we, you know, there's, there's a never-ending just array parade of, of, of news events. Unfortunately, many of them quite bad. But it's hard to sort through it all and to know what to think about all of it and to know what's, what's really going on. Not so much what to think, because what to think is up to you. But to know what's really going on is very difficult, especially when you can't trust that you're getting the real information from the media. And that's why uh, you got to become a Daily Wire member. Get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. You'll get access to exclusive op-eds from us, um, as well as uh, guest writers, in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters, on top of our regular breaking news coverage. This membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month. If you join today, you get the first month for 99 cents. So you, I mean, it's hard to beat that. You also get access to our mobile app, receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, as well as you can join the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. That's mobile ad-free access to all of our Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, and more on the mobile app, all for the price of $1. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. Okay, finally for our daily cancellation, we're going to be canceling AOC for, uh, what is this, the fourth time maybe? Fourth or fifth time? The only person who's been canceled more than AOC is my wife. So they're, they're neck and neck at this point. Many reasons to choose from when it comes to canceling AOC, but here's, uh, here's the latest from her. Uh, I think even the term white fragility is can like really set a lot of people off and saying, what do you mean I'm fragile? You know, like this is offensive. And, and, uh, and so it's almost ironic um, that the term is kind of self-evocative in that way. Congress is, I don't know, I mean, it changed a bit, um, but prior to this term, Congress is about 90% white, um, which means there are a lot of blind spots. Um, I have seen a lot <laughs> from legislators and experienced a lot. Um, and, um, and it's really, really difficult to confront and um, to see how some folks' political comfort is prioritized above other people's ability to survive and to live. Yes, okay. So the most fragile woman in America who finds sexism and bigotry around every corner is now accusing other people of being fragile. Talk about projection. As for the term white fragility, well, if you want to get a good perspective on that term, just put any other color, any other race in front of the word fragility and see how it looks. Put any other race in front of the term fragility and would anyone deny that it's racist? That it's bigoted? Of course not. The same, of course, goes for men and women. I mean, you can attach a whole bunch of different words to male or masculine uh, that you can't attach to female or feminine. Male fragility, toxic masculinity, all of that's okay. 
But female fragility, toxic femininity, no, yeah, you can't do that. That's sexist. That's terribly sexist. We can, we can, we, no, that, that would be terrible. So AOC, uh, you see, she herself is very strong, very reasonable, very mature. Above it all, as long as you play by her rules. If you accept her double standards without questioning, if you dance to her tune, then that's fine. As long as she can live in a world where she can vomit her bigotry all over everybody else and never once hear any criticism from anyone ever, then she's truly a strong and independent woman and an inspiration to us all. But the moment she encounters any pushback, the moment, the moment she gets the smallest dose of her own medicine, she breaks down in tears like a damsel in distress, has a temper tantrum, starts screaming about sexism and racism. It is, it is somewhat similar to like a, a three-year-old. A, a three-year-old is, you know, can be an angel, very well behaved, as long as everything is going their way. If, they, if you do everything a three-year-old wants all the time, never give any pushback, um, then they're going to behave great. But the moment they encounter some reality that will not m- morph to their expectations, the moment you say something they don't like, that's when they freak out. And uh, AOC is very similar to that. This is all a, a tiresome game, and we shouldn't play it. That's what needs to happen now. Just don't play these games. This double standard stuff, no. It's not going to work that way. I'm sorry. One rule for everyone. That's it. That's all you get. You don't get your own rules. We're not going to abide by that. Many people have, 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 have chosen to go along with that for way too long. I think we need to stop now. No. White fragility? No, you can't. Sorry, you can't say that. You can't say that. It's not going to work that way. So here's how it is going to work, AOC. If you want to retain the right to accuse white people of racism, should they use a term like fragility to describe other races than their own, which I'm sure, I'm quite sure, you would want to call a white person racist for doing that, then that means that you yourself, you must accept, are a dumb bigot. A dumb, hateful, racist bigot for using that term to describe races other than your own. That's the rule that you would want to apply to white people, I'm quite sure. It's the rule, I mean, you, you've called white people racist for far less than that. So that's the rule you apply to white people. That same rule goes to you. And that would be a perfectly cons- consistent position for you to take. You can say, AOC, you can say, yes, I'm an awful bigot. Um, I, I hate races other than my own, particularly this one race over here. I hate you guys. Um, and white people who behave and speak like me are also awful bigots, just like me. We're all awful bigots together. That's a fine position. I mean, it's not a fine position. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty terrible position, uh, morally speaking, ethically. But it's consistent. It's intellectually consistent and logical. Uh, but that's what it's going to be. Now, you, this thing where you get to get to go around saying white fragility and no one calls you racist for it. You're dumb. AOC is a disgusting, dumb bigot. That's what she is. And that is just a bigoted statement. Think of what you're saying. You're calling a whole race of people fragile. What kind of disgusting racism is that? And we just accept this. We just accept this from a, from a, from a, a congresswoman. 
You think Trump could get away with that? You think he could get away with fragile, describing any race of people? What kind of reaction would there be to that? Yet AOC says, oh yeah, sure, white fragility. Not to mention, I mean, we, we talk about the double standards here. We could spend all day dissecting the double standards, but what, what do you really mean when you call calling men fragile, you're calling white, white people fragile? What do you really mean? That what, they're emotional, uh, they get offended. Since when is that a problem? I thought you were okay with that. Since when is it, especially when you hear about male fragility, which is the other, that's kind of like the cousin of, of white fragility. And if you're a white male, then you're, then you're double, double fragile. But then the interesting thing is with, with male fragility, we're also told all the time that men don't display their emotions enough. Uh, they keep it all bottled up. Uh, uh, part of toxic masculinity is that men don't want to display their emotions because they're afraid of being accused of being feminine. And yet, we, we can be told that a man is toxically masculine and he, and he has male fragility. Which is it? It's kind of one or the other. Because if he's fragile emotionally, that means that he's, what, he's too emotional? He's showing off his emotions too much? The thing is, I actually agree that it's a problem for a man to be fragile. I don't agree that all men are, but some men are and they shouldn't be. But you, as a woke leftist, you're supposed to be all about that. You should be defending that. Say, that's a wonderful thing. You're expressing your emotions. Oh, no, no, no. But, that, but that's what you would do again if you were consistent and not a bigot, which is what you are. And so you're canceled. Uh, and we will leave it at that. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everybody, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the American Republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon has turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the apocalypse with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>